0: Stepping outside of our comfort zones can be scary. Our minds often begin to calculate all the things that can go wrong. However, today's guest seems to consider risk quite differently.
1: The reason I studied hard at school, the reason I got my early jobs, the reason my family made the sacrifices to do this was not so that I could just climb one rung at a time, some ladder. It was much more so I could take risks. Because what was the worst thing that was going to happen to me? Maybe my business would struggle. All right, I'd figure that out. Maybe my business would shut down. Fine, I'd start another business. Maybe that business would not work. Fine, I would go get a job. Maybe that job would not work out. I wasn't even an American citizen. So maybe i get kicked out of the country. Fine, I've lived in like every other country in the world. Not worried about that. So in the end, what do I have to lose?
0: Everything else I've done in my life is my insurance policy. That's Raj Dadada the CEO and co-founder of Bloomreach, a company that creates personalized commerce experiences by using product and first party customer data alongside artificial intelligence enhancement to provide customers what they really need. Bloomreach offers a variety of products to foster these personal experiences for customers and help grow companies' digital commerce. I'm Jeremy Bergeron, Head of Strategy at Mission.org. Welcome to Business X Factors. Each week, we'll take a look at the secret sauce that takes companies to the highest levels of success, and then unpack how they got there. We'll explore how these organizations are even run, and then what's so special about the people, the culture, and the processes that make it all happen. This podcast is produced with love from the team at Mission.org. Mission.org is the number one podcast network for executives. Get a front row seat to exclusive interviews with executives from some of the biggest brands in the world, as well as emerging unicorns changing business as we know it. Hear the interviews, watch the interviews, learn from their stories, level up your own success with podcasts about the future of e-commerce and marketing to the latest in IT and technology to inspiring stories of SMBs and beyond. Mission.org has a show for every type of executive. Go to mission.org forward slash podcasts. That's mission.org forward slash podcasts. Raj Dadada is a successful entrepreneur. Where did this drive to create new businesses come from?
1: My parents were definitely not entrepreneurs. My father's a professor, my mother was an actress, and then later on got her PhD. They were pushers of the envelope in their own respective ways. My father was a research scientist and invented a lot of the science behind the Green Revolution and the rice we eat today that now feeds a lot of the world. So in his own way, he was pushing the envelope. My mother never finished high school, became a dancer and an actress. And later on in life, she did high school almost with me. Then later on, got a college degree, a master's degree, a PhD, a job much later in life. They were not acceptors of the status quo in their own ways. The way that has manifested for me is through these entrepreneurial endeavors. But at the core of it, they were challengers of the status quo.
0: Raj sees a through line from his parents' mentality to disrupt accepted patterns to his own career path as an entrepreneur. Part of disrupting the status quo is taking risks where the outcome of a decision is particularly uncertain. Raj had a difficult choice to make early in his career that had both potential risk and reward attached to it. He could attend business school at Harvard, or help start a new business, but he couldn't do both.
1: My entrepreneurial journey started pretty soon after college. So I had been working in New York. I had worked at a Wall Street firm and I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship. I was gonna go to business school. I was gonna go to Harvard. I had accepted admission to go do that. Two colleagues of mine said, hey, why don't you spend the summer before and help us put together this business plan before you go to grad school? And so I started working on that and I just loved it. And we were in New York, turned out the business opportunity was in Europe. They had families in New York. They were like, hey, we'll stick around New York. How do you feel about going to Europe?
0: And then another key decision came up. Would Raj make the bold choice to go to work in Europe? Or would he want to stay in New York like his colleagues? I literally never been to Europe. I was like, cool. What's the harm? I'm going to get on a plane. I flew to Europe.
1: I started to help them get it started, started to work on it. And then I was like, I just can't leave. I'm just loving this too much. So I tried to defer Harvard and not go at that time. They said, "No, you can't do that." So then I was like, "I'm not going to go back to business school. I'm just going to do this." It's just too fun. I was 21 years old. maybe 22. I had just an amazing journey of building this telecommunications
0: company in Europe, providing high-speed Internet access to lots of people. Not every experience is about achieving great success at the end. Sometimes, it's just about the journey and doing something meaningful that helps instill confidence in a person. Then, that self-assurance and knowledge can be carried forward into future endeavors.
1: The business was ultimately, wasn't amazing, but wasn't a total failure. It was kind of right in the middle of that. But most importantly, it gave me the self-confidence to be an entrepreneur. It taught me, you can do this. And I did everything. I worked on products, I sold, I wrote business plans, I raised money, and I loved the versatility that it brought out in me. I loved the energy, I loved the team, and I learned a lot through that process. So what was great about that first entrepreneurial experience is it gave me clarity early on in my career to say, I'm not gonna waste time looking for all kinds of other career opportunities.
0: I'm just gonna figure out how to be an entrepreneur. When this initial venture ended, Raj returned to the US and attended Harvard Business School. Afterward, Raj relocated to the West Coast and started a business that would later be acquired by Cisco. Raj transitioned with the company to Cisco, but later left to start Bloomreach.
1: I thought I would start it in a month, and it took me two and a half years to start Bloomreach. And I went through that period that I call my time in the wilderness. I kept thinking I was like three months away from starting a venture, for one reason or another, it just wasn't working out. And I went through that period, but the conviction I had about being an entrepreneur allowed me to not really waver. I would every couple of months get up and see if I could get a job to feed my family and then turn down that job just to make sure I was marketable and then go back and work on the next day.
0: Self knowledge and perseverance led Raj to eventually launch Bloomreach. But even in accomplishing that goal, it's clear for Raj that the climb towards success at Bloomreach has had its ups and downs. For him, it's been more about sustaining perseverance over time that has led to success.
1: The story of Bloomreach is not an up and to the right story. It's almost like three chapters of the journey in the last 12 years. In the early days, we built an offering that was specific to search engine optimization. It was one of the applications. And Unfortunately for us, it did too well. What I mean by that is that we got all these customers we were driving, all this traffic, but search engine optimization is not a great business because it's totally dependent on Google. Ultimately, we knew that it was gonna be volatile and that we were gonna experience a lot of churn. So somewhere about years five or six, we started to experience massive catastrophic declines in revenue and customers. And we had known that was a risk, but it all started to come to pass kind of through this journey.
0: Find out after the break, how Bloomreach survived these massive monetary decreases. Wanna improve your business development efforts? Ensure your ideal client prospects listen to your customer stories, all while meeting some of the most interesting people in your industry sponsor a mission podcast to learn more about how your company can be positioned as the thought leader in your category visit us at mission.org forward slash about before the break we heard raj dadada the ceo and co-founder of bloomreach Talk about how the company found itself in a pretty difficult position. How did Bloomreach survive?
1: Somewhere about years five or six, we started to experience massive, catastrophic declines in revenue and customers. And we had known that was a risk, but it all started to come to pass kind of through this journey. And so fortunately, we had been building what we today think of as the Commerce Experience Cloud. So I would say around 2015, 2016, which was around Six years into the journey, we launched this new offering. And the company that we have today, which has been a rocket ship success, was really built on the back of the technology that we built in the early days, but that was repurposed for a market problem that has really worked.
0: BloomReach's e-commerce experience cloud currently consists of three product offerings, engagement, discovery, and content. In simple terms, engagement helps to create personalized experiences for customers. Discovery allows customers to search for the products they need, and content is a versatile back-end, quote, headless content platform, end quote, that can work with all front ends. One great example of how Bloomreach enhances digital commerce for their customers is their work with Jensen USA, a retail bike company. With their engagement product, Bloomreach helped Jensen categorize their customers based on the types of bikes they were interested in. Then, the Bloomreach Discovery product helped deliver more tailored searches to those specific customers. Ultimately, there was an 8.5% increase in revenue per visitor. Bloomreach's offerings have certainly developed over the years. Raj explains how their clients helped them focus more on using first-party data by asking Bloomreach for customer personalization. So if you think of it as like,
1: if you go to Gap.com and you're searching, that's Bloomreach. If you Go to rei.com. The content on the website is served up by Bloomreach. So we were powering e commerce websites. And people would often come to us and they would say, Hey, Bloomreach, can you help us personalize that experience? And we'd say, Sure, just give us all your data about your customers and your first party data. We can watch the cookies of what people are clicking on and so on, and we'll use that to personalize the experience. And very often people would A, struggle to give us that data in a well structured form, and B, we saw the writing on the wall with cookies, and we didn't really feel like from a privacy perspective, that was the right way to go anyway. So we said, we need to help our customers with first party data. We need to help them assemble a profile of their customers. And we actually acquired a company called Exponia that's very specifically was a customer data platform that enabled brands to fully understand what you clicked on, what you purchased, where you live, what campaigns you responded to, where you might have loyalty, so a full first party profile. And what that did is that it allowed us to go to these brands and say, you don't have to count on cookies and third party data because the most important piece of data is the data about your customers. Here's a platform that can understand that customer and that you can then use to personalize the website, but also it turns out use to personalize your marketing activities, to run email campaigns and SMS campaigns and so on and so forth. And so we really went in to say, that is the unlock to deliver an end-to-end personalized
0: experience is deep customer understanding. Though everything has worked out very well for Bloomreach, early on, Raj had a frank conversation with a Bloomreach team when revenue was dropping. And I remember the meeting where I stood
1: up in front of teams of people and said, look, it's just not working, period. Our business is in decline and will continue to be in decline. And at that time, what I told people was, I won't fault any of you for walking out the door today. Consistent with our values, I'm going to be totally truthful and I'm going to tell it like it is. And not only am I going to be truthful about what has happened, but I'm also going to tell you the truth that I'm totally sure that this mission of magical and measurable experiences for e-commerce is going to come to pass and our theory is right. But also I'm going to tell you the truth that I'm not totally sure how we're going to get there. If you wanna make a bet on us as a team that we're gonna figure it out together, stay here. If not, it's cool. And so many people stuck around and those people are going to do incredibly well financially and are gonna be part of an incredible story as a result.
0: This conversation that Raj had with his team is a window into his leadership and the culture of Bloomreach. Raj envisioned this culture before the company was even established. When most companies get started, they say, Hey, here's our values, here's our culture. We're going to hire accordingly.
1: We're going to hire good people. Life goes on. With BlueBreach, we had a very intentional and different approach, which is we wrote this culture document before I created the business plan for the company. It was very early. And then we said, What is it rooted in? It's rooted in what we call a commitment culture. And that means as a leadership team, when we make decisions, if a decision is likely to increase the level of commitment of the
0: team, we do it. If not, we don't. Raj breaks down the principles of the culture into five areas.
1: We decompose the culture into our five core values and a lot of those are truth and we and no drama. We have a set of these five values. But then we associate those five values with behaviors and operational practices. So, for example, we'll say, hey, if our value is truth, That means all information needs to be shared with the team, needs to happen every two weeks. We're gonna have all hands meetings, we're gonna be super transparent about financials, et cetera. If it's gonna be about truth, it's also gonna be about being data driven. So we're gonna start every meeting by understanding the data before we talk about points of view that anybody might have. Similarly, if we think about we, we're not gonna have a promotion system or a bonus scheme that is based on individual performance. It's always gonna be on team. And so we're gonna associate compensation with the we. Kind of value. We basically associate these behaviors and then we track and we see how we're doing.
0: According to Raj, all five of Bloomreach's values are truth, be honest and transparent, own, make sure each task has an owner, we strive for unity for a shared purpose, think when important decisions must be made, pursue different viewpoints, collective solutions, and then execute as one team. And no drama. Respect everyone. Listen to deepen understanding and assume the best. Raj explains how Bloomreach creates a great environment for their people in the same way they create a great product for their customers.
1: At Bloomreach, our mission is magical and measurable experiences for people in business. But that's our product mission. That's not our people mission. Our people mission is single most impactful professional experience of your career when we think about that, we measure against that. Everything is quantitative. It's measured. How did we do it two weeks ago? How do we do it two weeks from now? So it's not this fluffy thing that culture can often be. It's very quantitative in terms of whether or not we're making progress.
0: Another thing that Raj points to as an element of Bloomreach's success is their specific take on the e-commerce industry. The second piece
1: is our point of view on the industry. It's not about the products, it's not about the technology, it's not about the sales, it's not about the customers. It's what we believe, what is our theory of the industry? And in our case, the industry is e-commerce. And let me explain what I mean by that. We're about 20 years into this e-commerce thing. We think e-commerce is like this equivalent of a 20 year old young adult, same level of maturity, same amount of time to go in terms of the journey. What we believe to be true is that in the first 20 years of e-commerce, It was really about what we call standing up the store, basically just doing e-commerce. The whole idea was, I'm a brand, I'm going to sell online. What did that mean for software in the space? It meant people started to give you software platforms to stand up a store. That's what Shopify does. That's what Big Commerce does. That's what Salesforce does. That's what Adobe does, et cetera. But our point of view was, right now, we're entering a new era where it's not good enough to stand up your store. You have to stand out from the crowd. What we have done is built a software capability to help you stand out from the crowd to drive growth in your e-commerce, not just to build the store, but to make sure you sell more on that store and grow faster.
0: Raj sees this unique perspective that Bloomreach has on the industry as a tool that distinguishes it from its competitors and sets up Bloomreach to win. I say that this is a competitive weapon because we're the only people in the industry that have that point of view.
1: There are lots of companies that say, hey, we'll help you with your search. We'll help you with your navigation. We'll help you with your email program. We'll help you build an ad to cart. We'll help you take currencies. But there's nobody centrally focused on the premise that there's a shift in e-commerce from just doing it to distinguishing your experience. We're really the only one. And so every move we have made, every product we have built, every marketing program we have laid out, every sales approach we have is centered on that basic thesis. And it has meant that over the 10 plus year journey of doing this, we've wound up with a set of offerings and capabilities that are highly distinguished because our point of view is so different than other people.
0: Many leaders are aware of the flywheel effect concept developed by best selling business author Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great. In Good to Great, Jim describes how repetition toward a single direction can lead to sustainable momentum in this manner. Quote, Those who launch revolutions, dramatic change programs, and wrenching restructurings will almost certainly fail to make the leap from good to great. No matter how dramatic the end result, the good to great transformations never happen in one fell swoop. There was no single defining action, no grand program, no one killer innovation, no solitary lucky break, and no miracle moment. Rather, the process resembled relentlessly pushing a giant, heavy flywheel in one direction, turn upon turn, building momentum until a point of breakthrough and beyond, end quote. Raj breaks down Bloom Reach's flywheel this way.
1: It starts with this point of view and the perspective around experiences are going to be the battleground in e-commerce. But we had a few different theses around what makes a great experience. The first is we believe that e-commerce is a category unto itself and the software has to be totally focused on e-commerce. So the first part of the flywheel was focus, focus on a market, which was commerce. The second part of the flywheel was our point of view that to build great experiences, you can't possibly do it manually. You got too many customers and too many products. Data and data science is the way by which you build great experiences. So it started with Let's focus on commerce and data as the enabler and data and data science as a capability. From there, we said, all right, well, if we do that, we can go take that unique competitive advantage and we can go deliver tremendous business value. What's the point of the data? Well, if we have a value proposition that is, hey, we can grow your top line, we can improve the conversion rate, we can improve the lifetime value of your customers, we can move the needle on your business. So. The competitive advantage led to more business value as a value proposition to the customer. And because our value proposition is so strong, we then acquire more customers. And when we acquire more customers, the ecosystem comes to us. The rest of the ecosystem says, oh, you've got all these customers you're acquiring. We want to work with you. And as the ecosystem comes in and more customers come in the door, actually what turns out to happen is we get more data. Which then in turn drives more business value, which then in turn drives more customers and more ecosystem, which then in turn drives more data that we can learn from, and the flywheel keeps spinning.
0: Raj recently wrote a book of his own called The Digital Seeker, a guide for digital teams to build winning experiences.
1: I wrote the book because we work with thousands of brands, and people ask me all the time, hey, you see the whole ecosystem, why do the winners win and why do the losers lose? And I went and I did about 100 of these interviews with our customers, with my seed investments. And what I found was that the winners in digital don't just serve the customer, they serve the seeker. So who exactly is the seeker? Let's use an example. I'm looking online for plywood. But the interesting question is, why do I need the plywood? Right? What am I trying to do with this plywood? Maybe I'm trying to build a deck. If I'm trying to build a deck, what are all the things that I need to build a deck? Well, I need the plywood, but I need to figure out how to build the deck. I need the tools. I need the other materials, et cetera. So then the question becomes, if I'm in the business of home improvement, should I build my website, my apps, my experience to help sell more plywood? Or should I build the experience to help people build decks? And what I believe is that the winners build for the motivation behind the purchase, they build the experience to help people build the deck, not just to sell more plywood. Because if you just want the lowest cost, most convenient way of buying anything, you go to Amazon. But if you want a distinguished experience around eyeglasses, you go to Warby Parker. And the same can be true of every category on the web. And I can give you example after example, that the winners come back to what makes the experience unique, back to this point of standing out from the crowd, And the way they stand out from the crowd most often is they build for the motivation behind the purchase rather than simply the purchase itself.
0: This brings us to the future of e-commerce and what Raj Dadada believes will be the relationship between brands and their customers down the line. I think if
1: we were to decompose e-commerce in the last 20 years, what has Amazon trained us to do or Google? It's trained us to do all the hard work ourselves and just come to them with give me a piece of plywood, give me a particular shirt, give me this particular book. But it doesn't help us figure out whether we needed the book in the first place or whether we needed that plywood in the first place or whether we need this dress or that dress. So this whole idea of seeker-centric thinking is very much about exactly that. I'm trying to organize a memorable vacation for my kids. I know I know that, but I don't really know what that means. Help me figure that out. And a seeker-centric experience would do that. It would help you explore all the different ways by which you achieve your goal, but there might be many different pathways through products and
0: services that you need to accumulate in order to do so. Raj sees a future where third-party data will be much less prominent.
1: I think we're not going back from first-party data. I think that all this third-party stuff was sort of gimmicky and there to just do sort of lazy targeting. I think if you ask yourself some fairly simple questions as a consumer, let's take an example. There's a bit of an uproar about Facebook or Meta and privacy. Why is that? Because I sign up for Meta because I want to communicate with my friends. And then Meta takes that data and gives it to advertisers who then target me for something that I didn't ask for. So I'm a little kind of peeved about the use of my data for that purpose. But let me give you an opposite example. If I start listening to music on Spotify and Spotify uses that data to recommend songs for me, I'm like, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. I got exposed to a new artist. Why am I not pissed at Spotify? Because the data in case one is being used at odds with my goals, whereas the data in case two is used to serve my goals, which is listening to better music. And that is the spirit of why first-party data makes sense. If you go to a customer and you say, hey, I'm going to learn a little bit about you, and then I'm going to randomly target you and track you across the web and show you intrusive ads, no consumer given the choice would sign up for that. But if I go to you and if I say, hey, I know you bought some plywood, and based on that, I'm going to infer all the other things you need to build a deck and make it easier to build a deck, lots of customers are cool with that. And that's the difference. So it's less a story. So much of our story has been about collection of data. More of the story really should be about how people use the data and whether that's truly in service of the goals of the consumer
0: or not. Raj has a short phrase that he's used many times that sums up how he looks at his life experience.
1: Didada's never give up.
0: And that has defined my life. It hasn't always come easy, but that's okay
1: because there's just nothing more joyful than the grit and the perseverance to stay true to something. Even Bloomreach, which in many ways, as I said, was amazing, was then a train wreck, and then we rebuilt it. But I'm really proud of that journey. I wouldn't replace it for anything else. It is the journey that makes it real. And it's what I tell my kids. It's just being present and staying true to what you believe through
0: everything allows you to accomplish lot. Bloom Bloomreach is a company that has developed over the years. The through line for the company is that they use their tech to deliver personalized digital experiences. The next level in personalization that Raj is identifying is the ability to use first party information to provide customers not only what they are searching for, but what they truly need. For Raj, his story is about having the fortitude to disrupt the status quo and then persevere through any challenges. We can all learn from this mentality. Raj is now able to reflect back on his experience with Bloomreach and appreciate the totality of it. Hopefully, like Raj, we can all persist in our own careers so that one day each of us can look back at our own story and say, yes, it was difficult at times, but it was also great. Mission is a network of C-level and executive-focused shows and communities. Our studios work with enterprises to create original content and experiences that reach and influence the hardest-to-reach executives in the world. Mission's network of shows includes thousands of episodes that regularly circulate amongst executives at the Fortune 1000 level and beyond. And we're always looking for more partners to help continue to bring this content to life. If you are a world-class enterprise that needs to reach and influence decision-makers in the C-suite, leaders at public institutions, and leaders creating policy, Mission can help. Go to mission.org forward slash about to learn more. You've been listening to Business X Factors created and produced by our team here at mission.org. Are you enjoying this show? If you are, I know I would be so grateful if you took two seconds to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, as this helps ensure that more listeners like you find the show. And it also lets me know how I'm doing. If you enjoyed this specific episode and you want to dive deeper into the topics discussed, be sure to check out the resources section of our show notes, where we've included helpful links, articles, and books including any stat or story referenced in this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jeremy Bergeron, and I'll catch you next time on Business X Factors.